Good morning, family. We are um, making our way through the Gospel of Luke. And last week, um, saw Jesus in the synagogue in Capernaum, or the temple, the church, drive out an evil, unholy spirit from a man, um, engaging him with the love of God, cleansing him, and then we said likely calling him to follow. And so the text after that was preached the week before, and that was where we saw Jesus move on from Capernaum, traveling town to town, everywhere he went, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, driving out evil spirits, healing people as he went. And this morning, we're at chapter 5. Who's got a page number for that? 1600 even? Okay, 1600 in the blue, blue Bibles. Chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. And so the last thing um, that happens before this is the words, and he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. And then it says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, it's the Sea of Galilee. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord! I'm a sinful man! For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Word of God. This past week, I can't remember which day, but we were doing family devotions in the morning one morning and we're working our way through the book of Acts as a family and we reached that passage where Peter uh, is hungry and so he goes up onto the roof of the house to wait, pray, 
while some food's being made, and made, and while, while he's up on the roof, he praying, he falls into a trance, and he sees a vision. And one of our children said to us, "Mummy, Daddy, what's a trance?" Hmm. So we thought for a little bit, and I thought, "How do I explain this, you know, to the kids?" And and then after thinking for a little while, I. I remembered Alex, and so um, I said, well, I think it's kind of like what happened to Uncle Alex from Gold Avenue Church. And um, some of you have heard parts of his Alex story, shared, shared pieces of it when he um, professed his faith a few weeks back, but he said I could share, share a bit of it again this morning, so I'll do that. At 17, Alex had um, already lived through many tumultuous and painful years, and he'd responded to his pain by plunging himself into sin. And so... He was homeless at 17. He was homeless walking the streets of the west side, and he was despairing about uh, where life was going and what was going to happen next. And then he happened upon somebody from the Bridge Street House of Prayer who invited him to come to worship at the pavilion. And um, not knowing why, Alex went. And in the middle of worship that evening... He was overcome, again, not knowing why, he just was overcome, crumpled to his knees and began crying out his pain. Well, all of a sudden, Alex says, um, on the floor, in a heap, crying, the room, everybody's worshiping, the room goes completely silent. All, All of the worship music, all of the sound, gone. And he begins to hear a loving voice speak to him. And he answers that voice. And the voice speaks. And then after the voice speaks, some men come around Alex and they begin to lay their hands on him and to pray over him. And after a while, they finish praying. And then they leave. And the sound or the music from the room fades back in. And when it's all over and the evening's over, Alex begins to ask people, who are those people that were praying for me? And they say, what people? And he says, well, they look like such and such and such. And they say, there was nobody here that looked like that tonight. And so then Alex goes to Andrew Sisson, who's sitting beside him, and he says, "Uh, Andrew, this is what happened tonight. Um, And he describes it to him. And I heard this voice saying, and Andrew, I think I'm going crazy because I'm hearing voices. And what is it? What's going on? And Andrew says to him, Alex, that was Jesus. That was Jesus. He loves you and He's calling you to love and follow Him. That, that encounter, kind of like a trance, that encounter with Jesus was the beginning of Alex's life of faith. Jesus very often engages people, engages them with His love, with His grace, with His healing power, and then, after engaging them, calls them to follow Him in faith and obedience. And so, we heard and we saw it last week as Jesus' first thing that He did with this man in the synagogue was to say, get out of Him. He encounters him, drives out evil, brings a spiritual healing to this man. And we're going to see it again this week, but it's going to look different. We're going to see it up close and personal as Jesus encounters Simon Peter by the seaside. In fact, Jesus' first encounter with Peter is going to look like the exact pattern that we said that Jesus most often follows 
when he engages lost, broken sinners and calls them into the kingdom of God. So first, Jesus sets the context by inviting uh, Peter to come closer. Peter gets to listen to Jesus' teaching as he sits there in the boat. And so a relationship begins. But then second, Jesus turns to Peter and he engages him personally at a deeper level. Peter, by demonstrating his miraculous power and by bringing forgiveness and then a new identity. Again, it's a spiritual healing. And then third, only third, does Jesus say, come follow me in faith and obedience. So how does Jesus set the context? Luke says, one day Jesus is standing by the lake of Gennesaret. The people are crowding around. You can imagine that that, um, he's been teaching in all the towns. Remember, he's been teaching in many towns. He's been um, moving in power to drive out evil, to perform miracles. And so everybody wants to get close. And they're crowding around. They're pressing in and they're listening to the Word of God. And so he sees, Jesus sees at the water's edge two boats left by their fishermen who are washing their nets. And he gets into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and he asks him, put out a little bit from shore. Then he sits down and he teaches the people from the boat. Well, it's interesting that there's a crowd of people pressing in to hear Jesus, but Peter's not in the crowd. Peter sees Jesus, the traveling preacher and miracle worker. He's heard what everybody else is hearing. He's heard this man is extraordinary. We've never heard anyone like him. We've never seen anyone like him. He speaks differently than anyone we've ever met. It's like he's he's connected to heaven. It's like he knows God so personally. And you should see the things he does. Peter's heard, but Peter's not pressing in. Peter's not in the crowd. He's not a part. He's washing his nets. Maybe he's tired, having been awake all night and discouraged that he hasn't caught a thing. There's mouth to feed at home and a family who's going to be disappointed and it's hard to go home with nothing to a family. On top of it all, the nets still need mending. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's more. Maybe there's something in Peter that wants to get closer to Jesus to investigate. And yet there's something else in him that's holding him back. Shame? Guilt? Something. Jesus is right there. He's right there. But Peter's not pursuing Jesus. Jesus, however, is pursuing Peter. Jesus reaches out and He calls Peter closer. Not in a threatening way. He simply steps into Peter's boat asking, hey, can you come, can you come and um, put out from shore a little bit? See what He's doing? He invites Peter to come closer to Him and He gives Peter the time and the space just sitting right beside him in the boat to observe to listen, to experience up close and personal Jesus' teaching and Jesus' 
demonstrating the love of God to others. He's giving Peter space to begin to trust him. You know, we don't trust strangers very easily, do we? Most of us have learned through painful relationships in our lives how difficult it can be to trust. And and our hearts have been broken anywhere from once or a few times to too many times to count. And so Jesus often approaches us in the same way that he approaches Peter. Jesus moves in our lives to bring us, to draw us closer to him. To bring us to a place where we can begin to watch him at work in and through the lives of others who know him and who love him and who live in him. Where we can hear, we can hear, we can just watch and hear his word being taught. Jesus pursues us even while we're not pursuing him. He draws us closer to build our trust. And so for Alex, that pursuing of Jesus was just an initial invitation Why don't you come into this pavilion? Why don't you come into this place? And it was a place where he could begin to observe the love and the joy of Christians. That was Jesus drawing Alex in. And so for um, Vic, it was through a Chicago pastor named Diane who simply said to him, come with me. Come with me. Just pulled him along into a church where he too could begin to experience Jesus. For Mike, it, a part of it was as simple as Vic saying, hey, they've got um, good donuts at Gold Avenue Church. Right? A really simple invitation, but it was Jesus drawing, come a little closer. Come a little closer. For some of us, it's one member of the church, one, one person in the church, initiating friendship with another person who's hurting and who, although they profess faith, doesn't really seem to know to know the love and the forgiveness of Jesus. Sometimes Jesus begins reaching out to us through someone at work or at school, sometimes through a neighbor, very often through our own parents. But you know what? Most often, we don't recognize that it's Jesus. We think somebody's being friendly or someone's being kind or someone's being... But it's Jesus. It's Jesus moving in our life to draw us closer. It's Jesus calling us to a place where we can observe Him. Where we can get a first-hand glimpse of His love and His power to heal and to forgive. And when we're closer, and when we've begun to trust, then Jesus turns to us. And He begins to move in our lives And so when Jesus finishes speaking to the crowd, He says to Simon, He turns to Simon and He says to him, put out into deep water and let down the nets for the catch. Put out into deep water, says the traveling preacher to the fishermen. To the fishermen. And did the fishermen bulk inwardly? Does the fisherman's pride rise up? What? I'm the fisherman here. I know where the fish are. Shouldn't I know when and where to fish? Who's this guy telling me how to do my job? You know? 
Um, most of us are experts in our own lives, aren't we? That's right. We think we are. I mean, it seems like it seems like that our lives can come um, close to falling apart at the seams, and we still don't want to take advice from anybody else. Don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me what to do. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> We're the experts of our own lives. And even as Jesus um, comes into our lives and we begin to hear Jesus speaking to us, speaking His teaching, love your enemies. Forgive all those who sin against you. Bless those who persecute you. Maintain sexual purity. Do not judge. Don't condemn. Don't love anything. Don't serve anything more than you love and serve God. That There's a bulking. There's an inward bulking in us against some of those commands. Most of us sure don't fully, completely, and immediately go, here you go, Jesus. Here's the reins to my life. Why don't you just take over and I will totally, fully, joyfully follow you and obey everything that you say without any questions. It doesn't go like that for most of us. Peter says, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And here is the crucial act of trust. Peter has had enough exposure to Jesus. That is, he's seen enough in him to trust him. And he trusts them enough to say, okay, even though I don't understand, even though this doesn't make sense to me, even though this doesn't jive with everything that I know and have just experienced and think should be true, I've seen enough in you to trust and obey. And as he trusts Jesus just enough to obey, it's Peter's faith. It's Peter's faith that paves the way for Jesus to move in power in Peter. The fruit of Peter's faith is the experience of Jesus' power at work in his life. And so the nets go down, and the nets come up, and the nets are overflowing. Jesus brings incredible fruitfulness. Jesus brings incredible fruitfulness. So much so that Peter's eyes are opened and he can see, oh my, this is not human fruitfulness. This is divine. This is supernatural. This is the power of God at work through Jesus. And in the light of that power, Peter sees himself as he really is. It's like his heart is just kind of laid bare. And for a few agonizing seconds, he feels the full force of his sin and his guilt and his unworthiness before God. Get away from me, Lord! I'm a sinful man! Because in his mind, what on earth would a holy God want to do with an unholy man? They don't work together in his mind. I can't tell you how many times I have heard people make comments like, man, if I ever set foot in this church, lightning will strike it. Or the building will crumble. Or, you know, and sometimes they say it half-joking. 
Um, but most of the time, there's a hint of seriousness in it because we've all dirtied our lives. We've made messes. We've been hurt and we've hurt. We've sinned and we've become sinned against and we've, we've, we've become dirty and unholy. And even though most of the time we suppress the full truth about just how dirty and bad it is, or we ignore it, when we have an encounter with Jesus like Peter has, we come face to face with our soul's true condition. And then we rise in pain. Peter says, get away from me! Sometimes we don't tell God to get away. Sometimes we just simply run away. And we hide. Sometimes we hide as far from church and as far from Christians as we can get. And sometimes we hide right in the chairs. Because in our heart of hearts, we expect the same reaction that Peter expects. Peter believes when he experiences holy Jesus, he believes that his worst fears are going to be confirmed. That the Holy One will have no place for unholy Peter. That if Jesus really knew what lived in Peter, what Peter had done, what Peter had said, what had happened to Peter, that Jesus would surely reject him or even worse, destroy him. And so Peter tries to protect himself against that by rejecting Jesus first. Maybe it won't hurt as much. And what happens next changes Peter's life forever. In one full swoop, Jesus brings a Massive spiritual healing. The Holy One does not push the unholy one away. Instead, He pulls him in. Unafraid of Peter's junk, Jesus' response indicates a radical forgiveness so complete that it includes new identity and new calling right from the start. Right off the get-go. Peter tries to push Jesus away, and Jesus pulls him in saying, don't be afraid. No fear. Don't be afraid. Now on, that means starting right now, you are going to go catch. You're going to be a fisher of men. You're going to go with me after other men and other women and other children who need to encounter the same grace that you've just received. Jesus responds to the worst of our sins by saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. In other words, God's not like what you might think. He's not like the whispers of Satan that you've been hearing condemn you. God is on your side. God longs to set you free. Longs to heal you. Longs to remove your sense of guilt and shame. He wants to renew your life in and with His love. He wants to give you a new identity. The Holy One does not push you away, but pulls you in. The Holy One makes you holy through His holiness. And He says, come with me. Come with me, for I have purpose for your life. Jesus says to Peter, from now on, you're going to fish for people. And he invites Peter to exchange the whole life that he once knew for a new life. This is his call to Peter to follow him. 
And Jesus does the same for us. He might not call us out of our vocation. He didn't call Ken out of engineering, and he did call Mark out of engineering. He may or he may not. Vocation is secondary. And it's something that we work out with the Lord once we've said yes to Jesus' call. Because after Jesus moves in our life to bring spiritual healing, to move us from sin-stained, lost, and rebellious orphans to completely forgiven, dearly loved children of our Father in Heaven, then Jesus calls us to follow Him with faith and obedience just as He called Peter. You know, you got to wonder, wouldn't there have been some temptation to keep fishing? Some? I mean, they had just, uh, you know, at least, or, or at least go and cash in on the, that amazing haul that they just brought in. Like, that's a lot of money. They just had to catch their lives. That would have been incredibly lucrative. And yet the text says, they pulled up their boats on shore, publicly, in front of everybody, announcing, we're done with this. And they followed Him. Friends, when Jesus brings us face to face with the powerful and the cleansing, healing love of God, and when Jesus says, don't be afraid, come follow Me, we follow. Even when it means leaving everything that we know behind. Peter, James, and John leave their boats and their nets, but they leave the whole life, the whole life that they knew, they leave it right there on the side of the Sea of Gennesaret. And so this morning, Jesus calls each of us once again, and He says, leave behind all of the ways of life before Me. Jesus speaks to us afresh and He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch people. From now on, you have a new identity. From now on, you have new purpose. And you have new priorities. Leave. Leave the rest all behind. Put down old patterns of thinking and of living. Put down coping mechanisms for life before me. Put down preconceived notions of what God is like. Put down fear. Put down doubt. Leave behind your feelings of inadequacy. Don't bring guilt or shame. I've washed you. I've made you clean. Leave everything and follow me. And so they responded and they responded publicly and we need to respond. We need to say, yes, Jesus. Yes. And so I'm going to invite Pastor Gina to come forward and just to lead us in responding to Jesus as He speaks to us this morning and says, Come, follow Me.